like just 30 seconds ago, I heard that overloaded moped again, and I caught the tail end of it on, on Audacity. So that'll actually probably be at the beginning of this recording. Sweet. You're welcome. That's guaranteed to be a fan favorite. And speaking of fan favorites, welcome to Road Soda. Welcome. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Warden. And I am, I'm one of your other hosts, Jimbo Shaw. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Well, I, it's true that I am, I am one of your other hosts. Hey, what do you think of this? Uh, um, I think if, I mean, it's not spelled right, but like, that might give you superpowers. And Ben's holding up a, a little nip of, uh, of, of liquor here. Yeah. Did you catch yeah. the name? E- yes. Want to say what it is? I believe it's pronounced Indogo. I think it's Indogo because it's Snoop Dogg's gin. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, th- I thought it was Indogo, but I guess that would be one G. Yes. Dear listener, I know what you're thinking. Is it strawberry flavored gin? Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, well, you're a classy man. Did Tim buy it as a present for Reagan and I for our anniversary in the street? Yes. Uh, Did I drink one the night he gave it to us? No, technically it was the next night. But am I having the other one now with some ginger ale? Because Mm -hmm. let me tell you, I did it straight. It's not good. So I'm hoping with some ginger ale, it's worse. Well, you know, it's it's good for you that you're you're trying something new out here. You know, because me, I... You know, I, I'm just like a broken fucking record over here. I'm partying with an old friend. I think I thought I saw, yeah, the tip of a jingling, a little yang-a-lang there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jingle-jangle. Hell yes. Yingling. America's oldest something or other. Yeah. <laughs> America's oldest Republican supporter. Yes. Yeah, we just say that, you know, we, 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 we just don't think about it. We drink to forget that fact. Whatever. If you start writing off businesses because of their political leanings, guess what? You're not going to have any food because you don't like the shit that farmers say and think and believe. Yeah. All the kombucha you can drink, though. Mm -hmm. Well, that'll be nice. Go drag it out of the fucking decomposing trees yourself. It'll keep you regular as hell. Dear listener, we've made it to episode 20. And by we, I mean both Jimbo and myself and you. Because even if this is your first episode, it's still episode 20. Yeah, there are still 20 other episodes, or 19 other episodes that you can listen to. And two secret episodes that you can't. Yeah, and you can't take that from us ever. Now this one, uh, as a special treat, we're going to completely change the format. 100%. Other than the fact that it's still going to be sexy. These, These tones... Dulcet as fuck, my man. We're coming at you smooth. Yeah, honestly, in in honor of when this airs, uh, baseball season being over, we're coming at you from fucking left field still. Like, we are still out there. Season's been over for for a couple of weeks now, and uh, guess what? We're still just throwing balls out of left field. More importantly, if you're listening to this the day it came out, it is election morning, which is going to mean nothing because we're not going to know anything for quite some time. Yeah, eat a dick. I just voted today. And by oh. today, I mean October 14th. I put something in the mail. I filled mine out but didn't drop it off yet. But I did fill it out today. Like, that was what I did that today. Look at that. Wow. You know, virtual high five. Nice. To us. <laughs> yep, that's the high five sound. That's some great Foley art. <laughs> Now, let this distract you. Uh, let this uh, 
give you something to do while you're waiting in line. If you're watching TV to figure out the results, you're just going to drive Don't. yourself nuts because we're yeah. not going to know do, anything. So do just... not do that. Last time, it you had to stay up till like three in the morning. And guess what? You know, they preempted Jeopardy for election coverage. That that pisses us off every four years here in the apartment. But it pissed us off doubly because they didn't go to Trump's – like usually when it preempts Jeopardy, Jeopardy just gets aired at 2.30 in the morning just later on, you know, that, that evening. But guess what? They We didn't know who the president was in 2016 until like 2.30 in the morning. So Jeopardy got preempted twice election coverage last year so you know that's that's my main gripe with our current president <laughs> is that he couldn't win in a timely manner that is the number one concern of most americans i've seen the i've seen the polls mm-hmm. but if you're looking for something else to do other than impotently watch the television while no results come in we're gonna be just shooting the shit about some movies today uh yeah. mov- movies we've seen that we love Movies that we've seen that the other one hasn't seen. Honestly, we don't really know. Jimbo made a Google Doc that I didn't even look at, even though I have access to it. And to stay true to the dumbassery, I could look at it right now, but I shan't. Good. Instead, I've got several notes. Um, and by several, I mean I'm looking at maybe 15 words that I wrote down on a post-it note at work today. Uh, that's my Google Doc, is uh, I'll say the top... Uh, what's that? Ten percent of a post-it note I filled out. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the other side of the adhesive part. Yeah, basically. You know, the part that you fold over if you don't want it to stick to shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I can reuse this for another five weeks. Honestly, Great. six, six maybe. Who can say? All right, I'm in. But yeah, so uh, uh, Jimbo, take it away. I mean, if you got a plan, uh, you know, if not, uh. We'll keep riffing and scatting. I mean, I, I'm I'm cool to riff and scat for a little bit, but I I've actually not seen two of the movies that are on my list. Uh, All right, yeah, mainly because I came across these movies uh, because of an IMDb user who I was just enthralled with with his reviews. So I'm going to hit you with one, and and honestly, I I don't know anything about the plot of this movie, but he he delves in or he or she delves into it a little bit here and this one is about dinosaur babes 1996 the user gives it 10 out of 10 so perfect <laughs> perfect 10 the review is titled a dino masterpiece dinosaur babes is a special effects laden adventure though a prehistoric land the story is that of the babes of one tribe have been kidnapped by a more advanced all-female tribe. Three cavemen quest to find the stolen babe and encounter not only dinosaurs, but also deformed cavemen who have been mutated by the pilots of a crash-landed UFO. The UFO seems a, like a bizarre plot twist, but it proves to be a key element in the end. This title is definitely appointment video. Brett Piper dazzles us once again with his phenomenal special effects it is unfortunate that this movie never had a formal release. It is gold. Do not mistake Dinosaur Island for Dinosaur Babes. Dinosaur Island is pure crap, and Fred Olin Ray sucks. Brett Piper rules. Hell yes. <laughs> uh, the, the reason I actually love this review so much is because one of my friends is named Brett Piper. Uh, yeah. 
the the illustrious BP brother to CP. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> if I may read uh, what IMDb has summarized the plot as now, now that review, uh, you know, it really tips tips the the reviewee. Who's the what's the reader of re- the the reader? Let, gives them a taste of the plot. IMDb a little bit more succinct. A man fights back when his wife is designated as a human sacrifice to a scantily clad tribe's prehistoric god. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole thing. So there's some maybe ancient aliens. Based on based on the movies that the, this user has been reviewing, uh, sword and sorcery B movies from the eighties. There's going to be some skin in this one. You're gonna you're gonna really enjoy all the the areola action. Yeah, the star of Dinosaur Babes, Rick Bureau, if you go on his IMDb page, he has starred in other such films as Dinosaur Babes. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's his yep. one that's his one credit. Rick Bureau. Uh yeah. that well that's actually a pseudonym, right? For uh for Chaz Armoire. <laughs> ah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Or Chester Chesterfield. So I, I gotta admit, I actually didn't I, I looked at the IMDb for this movie because I, I found the review on IMDb and the review was written back, I think, in 2003. This guy was very active in late 2002 to mid 2004. And that was it for this IMDb user. Now, now how how did you stumble upon this IMDb user? What what brought us here? Uh, that will be the the third review that I read and, and we'll save that for later. All right. Just because this really this third one really really hits home and and it it was it was quite a treasure to stumble upon but i looked up the imdb for dinosaur babes and brett piper not in it not he didn't do the special effects didn't didn't write didn't do any direction he was in no way affiliated with this film and i actually researched that further on on other websites trying to find if brett piper was actually involved with this no, he was involved in another movie from 1996. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems right up his alley based on the titles that he's worked on. Uh, you know, some straight to VHS kind of filmed also on that VHS with, with just the RCA handheld video camera uh, going around following scantily clad women in probably Southern California. But Brett Piper was not involved with Dinosaur Babes. You heard it here. You heard it first. All right, I've clicked the one critical review that IMDb gives, which is from, uh, everyone knows this website, Films in Boxes. Yeah. With with the tagline, I've seen that. It's like movie pooper and films in boxes for me. Yeah, and there it claims that the movie's directed by Brett Piper, although I can 100% confirm Jimbo's previous statement that Brett Piper's listed nowhere else. So this review website agrees with the other reviewer. Who knows? Maybe it was put up by this IMDb user. I'm trying to I'm trying to get Maybe an it's image. a false flag operation. I'm trying to get an image of the DVD itself. Mm. Well, I mean that that's that's some real hard hitting research, and maybe I should have done a little bit more homework rather than uh, you know fucking actually trying to work at work, which is which is exactly what happened. You know, I just copy and pasted all of this IMDb users reviews when I should have been working and and kind of monitoring shit. Dude, I I zoomed in on the cover. Brett Piper's in this motherfucker. He's the director. Okay, damn. Damn, I am completely wrong then. 
Hey, I didn't want to. I didn't want to prove you wrong. I just wanted because because the now IMDb's got the discrepancy. I just all right, good. Fuck IMDb. I bet they didn't even spell Piper right because I know that's not how you spell Piper. Yeah, you spell it with a pie. P I E P E R. That's how you spell Piper. Man. Oh yeah. First first sentence of this of this or first few sentences of this review. Yeah yeah yeah. I know. It was just on the tape I watched, okay? Leave me alone. This movie is so well known, the director isn't even listed on the IMDb entry. <laughs> <laughs> it comes full circle, super liminal. Wow. Okay. All right, let's get let's get let's go, let's go on to the next. I want to hear more from this guy. I want to hear more from this reviewer. Okay, cool. So the earliest movie that that will will go for his review or his or her or they's reviews is Il Trono di Fuoco, which is Italian for the Throne of Fire. The throne of Fire. I was gonna. I was gonna say that. I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got I, it. Yep. You got it. Made in nineteen eighty three. Yep. 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 We know that one. So the the score that they gave this one, ten out of ten. That's roughly perfect for those keeping score at home. Is that Solid correct? gold. Okay. Yeah, we are we are a full twenty out of twenty for the course. Fuck yeah. Um. So this review is titled much better than the lord of the rings movies <laughs> all right that's a that's a high bar to clear i know i know throne of fire is quite an adventure it is the story of siegfried's quest against the son of the son of satan's seat on the throne of fire the actor who plays siegfried is very athletic and pulls the sword <laughs> sorry the actor who plays Siegfried is very athletic and pulls off the sword fighting well. I enjoyed the entire film immensely, but I was unsure about one thing. When characters in the movie saw Morak with the melted face, was it a vision of the future? Or what it, was it his true demon self? The Well of Madness scene was definitely among the highlights of the story. The talk of severed head and armored warrior were very cool. The whole scene brought to mind the pit scene in Army of Darkness. Another highlight of the film is The Princess. Movies of this kind rarely have leading ladies so lovely. If you love Throne of Fire, I recommend Lucio Fulci's Conquest. Very similar, except more gore and monsters. <laughs> All right. So these reviews, you know, they they seem to to like really, really come in hard with a, with the bang especially with like the titles you know just letting you have it and then just kind of ramble about a couple of scenes and and peter out <laughs> that's yeah. that's what i loved about it yeah this so this this also this type of film you've seen you've seen uh you've seen images like this dear listener uh of, of the, the classic it's conan the barbarian style it's like pre-barbarella type of stuff but even like like low budget but uh this is kind of a blind spot for me. I don't know about you, uh, with the exception of when uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is done. Other than that, I haven't really watched it, but uh, I will know Wait, that... Did they do Throne of Fire? No, I just mean these types of films. Oh, okay. You know, uh, sword and sorcery films is is the genre that we're speaking of, and I am all about them. Yeah. Th- th- they're always a, a hoot and a holler. I just... You know, can't say that I've spent much time with them. Although I do, I am in love with the trivia for this one on IMDb. Did you check this one out? No, no, I did not. Number one trivia fact 
Unlike most actors cast in similar roles, Pietro Torisi did not shave his chest for this production. <laughs> nice. Is it, that's like flaunting Italian film uh, etiquette? I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll also say so. I typed hey, in. You're gonna be in my movie. You shave your chest. You shave the chest. I typed in Il Trono di Fuoco into into Google there, and there was a movie that came out before then. Yeah. That's also called Il Trono di Fuoco in Italian, but in English it's called The Bloody Judge. And that stars Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. So, and let's not pretend like Christopher Lee was only... In, in fact, the, the good movies that Christopher Lee was in are the rarity. He did, so, what, something like 300 movies? And I'd say... Yeah. Like, and I'm not going to say they're not fun, but I'll say like 15 of them are good and then the other 300-ish are, you know, some of them are campy and fun. Some of them are just dog shit. Put it to you this way. Christopher Lee acted in as many movies as Roger Corman, like, directed and or produced at a much higher level. Fuck. So according to IMDb, Christopher Lee was in 200, he has 282 actor credits. Mm, that is a lot. Now, some of these are TV miniseries, but like... Do you think he's going to get any more? You know, it's always possible they can reuse his voice in something. Well, if somebody plays him as a character, does that count on his IMDb? No, that's tough. That I do not know. <laughs> when when you become a character in a movie, do you do you get that credit if you're a real person who was an actor? I mean, I did always... My, my introduction to Christopher Lee was as the... Uh, as I remember him... Revenge the of man, the Sith, right? The, the man with the extra nipple. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, which I very much relate to having even one more than he does in that film. But as a tall, weird-looking white guy uh, who has three nipples, as a tall, maybe not weird-looking, but... Ah, the beard hides the nipple well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but but he, he seemed relatable, although uh, I, I'm not going to pretend that... I, I believe he's taller than me. I, I'm, I mean, asha I'm ashamed to admit it. I have to think that, like, he, he was in no way ashamed of that third nipple. The amount of, like, just open button-down shirt running around he did in in The Man with the Golden Gun. I I wish that uh, he had done the move from uh, from Mallrats, where he, he peels it off and licks it and readheses it after, <laughs> after he sends James Bond off into the maze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was well, a good scene. Well, I mean, that movie also, did that draw from, like, the Boss de Plain, uh, the Paradise Island, like, you know, midget servant in a in a suit? Because, like, it had a little guy in it who, oh. who like, really fucked shit up. Oh, that's the same guy. Oh, that's the same. Yeah, but who, who did it first? Was it, Did they see him in Paradise Island and just say, yeah, that we need that? We need that for the movie. We got to bring back fucking Jackie Gleason because we loved his role so much in the earlier movie. We need the fucking Alabama sheriff to come all the way across the Pacific Ocean and hang out in Macau and just happen upon James Bond again for some fucking reason. Now, I'm going to look this up to confirm, but I am 90% positive that Hervé Villachayes, who is who is the little person there, Ooh. which, yes, I knew without looking up. I believe he's yeah. also Belgian. Okay. I, I want to say he's not. Oh, sorry, he's French. I knew he had a French accent, but mm. I thought I might be I, Flemish French, though. You never know. 
Could be, but I just assumed that he was like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. We all think Jean-Claude Van Damme's French until we grow the fuck up and realize that not everybody's French. That Van means something else. Now, uh, now let me... Hervé Villachez was on the Ben Stiller show. Okay. You know that show sucked, right? I'm sure this IMDb user would, would find a way to give it 10 out of 10, but... Uh... Yeah, he's Knickknack. He's Knickknack. Okay. In The Man with the Golden Gun, yeah. So, which one came first? All right, so the man with the golden guns, nineteen seventy four. I agree. <laughs> and Fantasy Island was nineteen seventy seven, baby. Fantasy Island. Okay, so so they saw Man with the Golden Gun, and we're just like, yeah, that's that's the gimmick that we need in our show. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, by the way, like Man with the Golden Gun, got to be like super middle of the road James Bond, like middle of the roadest. It had like lame gadgets. Lame gimmicks, but also nothing over the top. And, you know, maybe that's that's what makes it, like, one of the worst or people's least favorite. But honestly, you know, they didn't do much. It was... Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's because it doesn't have the charm of the truly bad James Bonds. Where, like, yeah. you're, you're watching it and you're like, damn, this fucking sucks. This rules. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you're into the newer ones, which I, I, I enjoy the Daniel Craig ones, I... I I didn't really, I wasn't allowed to watch them growing up, so I never really, like, they'd air them on, they do the marathons for fucking Labor Day or whatever, and my grandpa would watch them, and if, if I was, if my mom would let me remain in the room, I'd watch a few minutes of it and stuff, but uh, I, I have, you know, I'm not a purist, whatever that could mean, I really don't care, like, the Pierce Brosnan ones were too gadgety, and I found them kind of boring, but in general, yeah, the Daniel Craig ones are fun. Ah, GoldenEye was good. A lot of people's first were good, I think. Yeah, uh, Sean Connery's fun. The story of, uh, <coughs> fuck, the Australian guy. The guy who did one. Peter Sellers. <laughs> Peter Gabriel. <laughs> That's it. That's it. No, uh, what was it? Peter Sellers was ca- Casino Royale. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Arthur Digby Sellers, dude. La- is it Lance? Bulk of the series. Land something. Not a lightweight. God damn it. Why don't I? Dr. No was totally Sean Connery. Not sure if you knew that. I know he looks young, but totally Sean Connery. He was the Australian guy. Yeah, he was the the guy from Australia, right? Timothy Dalton. George Lazenby. George Lazenby, George Lazenby and Timothy Dalton were, were both I thought, I thought after. Was, I thought it was Lansby. It's Lazenby. Uh-huh. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, not the first Bond. No, no, no. I, I knew it. No, I said he did. Or like his, his first movie? Yeah. Because he only did the one, and he basically lied his way into it. I'm going to cut out most of me pretending to, uh, I was pretending to not remember his name. I knew it the whole time. Yeah. He'd never acted before, and he was the first one to come in after Sean Connery. And by all accounts, the director fucking hated him because he'd never acted. And he was just very handsome and lied his way in, and the director thought that it should absolutely be at least a British guy. And so he only let him get one take for every scene. So wow. if, you, if you view it in the lens of, I think he'd done maybe some, <laughs> some he, he was a model, so he'd been in front of cameras, but he'd never acted. But if you yeah, view but guess it, what? You're, you're working on this film for exactly an hour and a half. That's it. You yeah. can do makeup on your own fucking time, but the cameras are only rolling for you for an hour and a fucking half, so. Yeah. Figure it out. For an Australian guy doing a posh British accent with a single take at a time, I mean, that's that. That's not a bad performance given those caveats. I don't oh, know yeah. why we need. We shouldn't add those caveats, obviously. 
people should be allowed to get more than one take. This is in Broadway. But uh, I just think it's funny that, yeah, they were just like, nope, this uh, big handsome guy that we're bringing in from Australia to replace Sean Connery, he gets one shot and then he can fuck off. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, do you remember when we had that Comcast box and they had the DVR that if you knew what you were doing, you could you could record snippets of things? Do you oh, remember yeah. the only James Bond uh, sequence that we had? Because we recorded a single James Bond sequence. It was the beginning, and I always forget the name. It's not from Russia with love, even though it's in Russia. If I'm not mis- if, if if the scene I'm remembering is correct, and it's where, by some accounts, it's the first on camera snowboarding that had ever occurred. And it's it's the intro. He's skiing. He's in a gunfight with Russians. Then they blow up one of his skis. So now he's snowboarding, and then as soon as he starts snowboarding, Surfing Safari by the Beach Boys kicks on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What yes. Was, is, is that in Her Majesty's uh, whatever? No. Um, I'm clearly a huge James Bond fan, and I'm not showing my ass at all here. I'm pretty sure it's for your eyes only. No, View to a Kill. It was View to a Kill. Okay. And, yeah. then he, and then he gets onto the fuck sub. Where it mm-hmm. seems that the like everything's padded, the walls are all padded and white, and he his backpack seems to contain vodka and caviar. And no, he pulls it out of his fucking jacket. Hell yeah, the important like he, shit. He's just like, well, you know, my body was surrounded by a padded jacket. I decided to stuff like a tin of caviar and a fucking bottle of Smirnoff in there. James Bond would be the the worst everyday carry guy. I mean, all those guys fucking suck, but he'd be the absolute worst because he'd be like, well, I'm not going to do his accent because that's that's one of the more intolerable ones. But uh, he'd be like, all right, so you got you got your fucking flint and you got your paracord and you've got to have you, you know, you need to you need to have. Eyes on all exits at all time. And also, you're going to need sturgeon caviar, at least two tins, and then I'm going to go triple filtered vodka. Minimum will go with a liter, assuming a liter's metric. Nice. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a good explanation. I'm more of a trial by fire guy, like the director from the, the Lazenby movie, where I would just be like, always be ready to like fuck and or kill. All right. Hey, you know, some people are classy. Some people are like, yes, clearly I need like a little bit of liquor and some caviar or some fine, delicate food before I fuck. But no, <laughs> my advice is like, however you got to do it, do it. Speaking of uh, fuck or kill. So that was a Roger Moore bond. And he was known, like I assume every actor of his age uh, for goosing women in films whenever, whenever he could, which. For those who aren't currently 80, that's an old term for basically either, I think you could use it for grabbing the butt, but it's usually go, giving them the old swipe up the butt crack. It's more of a scooping mm-hmm. a scooping yeah. movement. Uh, you know, we do it to boys, too, and men. Uh, hey, you can do it to whoever you like. I mean, we like. don't no, do it to no, anybody, don't not do anymore. Don't do it to whoever you like. I'm saying it's yeah. possible to do whoever, but you shouldn't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you're being uh, playful with someone who who would enjoy it. Now that I've got that bullshit out of the way. Um, I forget the woman's name because that's how Hollywood works, but the female love interest in that movie, the Bond girl, 
was warned of this ahead of time and apparently brought a large phallic object. I, I, I don't think it was actually a dildo, but just sort of a tube-shaped thing. And whenever they did a scene like in bed or off camera, she would jam that into his ass yeah. as, as retribution. Which I heard that was, uh, that was Carrie Lowell. Could be. I, I think it. I think it was Carrie Lowell uh, of of Law and Order fame, but yeah, I heard this story as well, and it was probably from you, but it might not have been. Who knows? Know. Maybe we heard it from the same person. We talk a lot of shit about films. That's true. Now I'm excited to hear the third review. We've gotten mm. we've gotten we've gotten a bit off track, and I'm happy about it. I'm here. To, I'm excited to hear the third review from this psychopath that you encountered because this is the one I believe you you titillated us. At, the, both myself and the listener at the beginning with this is what drew us into this character in the first place. And yes. then after that, I'm going to be describing a movie to you that I don't think you've seen to bring us on home that I think is going to be a real goddamn treat. So hang in there with us. All right. uh, this one's going to get real Boston centric at the end, which is what I know everybody wants. I love it. So in the summer of 2020, which was, you know, a couple of months ago, my brother came out to Boston from Seattle and we proceeded to watch uh, a series of movies called the Death Stalker series. And I think we started with two, then went to one, and then went to three. And we didn't even watch like the regular version of three. We only watched the Mystery Science Theater version of three. But this movie review is for Death Stalker and the Warriors from Hell, number three. 1988 and it actually doesn't have a score so we're finishing at 20 for 20 on the day perfect yeah you can you can review something without scoring it yeah and i mean the title of this review doesn't really give away how he feels any or how he or she feels anyway and that title is mst3k sucks and is not funny (laughs) Uh, all right. Unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. Many commenters have failed to mention something that sets this movie apart from the other Deathstalker sequels. Brief aside, there are three Deathstalker sequels in the four-movie Deathstalker series. Namely, Ooh. the lack of stock footage. Yep, that's what he went for. All right. To me, nothing is more annoying in a movie than when elements of fantasy are yanked from other movies that did a good job. For example, almost every Fred Olin Ray movie you can get your hands on will have stolen footage of stop-motion dinosaurs from a masterpiece called Planet of the Dinosaurs. Deathstalker 2 and 4 are horrible about this problem. They feature minutes upon minutes of unmistakable battle scenes from the first Deathstalker. Now, I suppose Part 3 isn't entirely innocent since it yanks the theme song from Battle Beyond the Stars. But that's okay. Also, I would like to mention that people who see the cover of of a Deathstalker movie and are disappointed to find the movie is nothing like it are falling for the oldest trick in the exploitation book. Deathstalker 3 is by no means a classic. It is a little bit boring. And this time the guy playing Deathstalker isn't as cool. But I would give it much credit for not showing me scenes from other movies in the series. Whoa, that is a low bar to clear, Since, especially considering on the IMDb page, it says that it did borrow footage from a movie called The Raven. 
So it's still <laughs> borrowed footage, just not from the Deathstalker series as the guy. It, he was specific. I'm sorry. They were specific. We don't know who this person is. Mm-hmm. What an insane and hard take. Yes. And that's that's why I loved because this was the first review of this user we came upon. Because I, I was looking it up to, to ease my brother's questions. Because my brother's easily as knowledgeable or more knowledgeable than the both of us at anything pop culture related. And, you know, if you don't watch Deathstalker movies, you don't know about Deathstalker movies. Because what else has John Terleski been in? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. But I also like the, the other dig at Fred Olin Ray. Like... Yes. Really not a fan. For somebody who loves these B-movies, like, really hates a B-movie producer. It's very derivative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He seems to find, yeah. I drew my line for B-movies. As someone who's, I mean, like, like speak, I'm speaking for this person, but as someone who's a fan of a, a largely overlooked genre to, like, be an elitist within that community, I mean, that, I mean, that happens with every dork fandom but it's just beautiful to see especially yeah. from what 15 years ago these reviews were coming in yeah just about so that yeah these were you know heavily in 03 you know like a good like our, our freshman year beginning of sophomore year of high school fuck yeah and i gotta say um he's absolutely right about the guy playing death stalker isn't as cool in this one and the mystery science theater definitely like rips on him hard because he does suck like his his comedy doesn't come across his one-liners are shitty and he's not that buff like at least the other guys ran around with shirts off this guy just wears like a leather vest the entire fucking time (laughs) is he handsome does he wear it well he's got like good 1988 hair all right hair hair was very important then i mean but it's you know it's a b movie like far cry from anything that you saw in like you know, Top Gun or or any Kurt Russell movie. Kurt Russell, hard yeah, to beat that I know. hair. What's I know. what's your, what's your favorite Kurt Russell hair? Movie? Oh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, it it's that or the thing when he's full beard. All right, I guess I did not specify. That is a powerful look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope. Sorry, it's fine. I'm an Escape from New York guy just because I like the way the eye patch battles mm-hmm. his hair the whole movie. I know, I know. It, it's it's a look that I wish I could replicate. Do you for I mean, every Halloween? Yeah, I do. That, then you'd just be Maddox. Yes, and I would be fine with that. Uh, running around every day, looking like Kurt Russell. Yeah, me too. But one other note about Deathstalker Three and the Warriors from Hell is that the current ambassador to Denmark is uh, plays a dual role in it. Uh, as like a princess and a cast off princess and you see her tits like the american ambassador yeah appointed by donald trump in 2017 to ambassad the u.s to denmark that's the verb mm-hmm yeah no embass because she works out of an embassy right yeah. em- emboss and yes. then engrave is when you carve in and emboss is when the tits pop out i think yeah. is the Yep, the takeaway here is that, like, two people, two diplomats, you know, people in our government currently, you can you can go out there and see their tits, because they showed them for money. And look, that rules. It does. We're, we're not More against, power to you. We're not against that, but it, it doesn't mean it's also not funny. It is funny. <laughs> it's very funny. 
I mean, she changed her name and, and whatever, and she dyed her hair, I think. But she's, you know, I'm sure people in Denmark are like, wait, the stalker? Not, not two, not, no, no, the, the, the third one. The one with the guys with the bat wings on the helmet. You vamp for 30 seconds. I'm going to grab a fresh beverage. I, I'm unprepared because I'm a hack. That's fine. That's fine. I would like to apologize for that accent of peop- Danish people, I guess. I I did the Italian accent about the, the chest hair thing, and I guess I couldn't come up with a quick Danish accent. I guess all European accents are basically the same to me. I mean, I can I can do like, ha ha ha, you know, I can, I can do the the German, mainly because I spoke German and I heard them speak English to me. But I've never heard Danish, I don't think. And I don't exactly know what they sound like outside of my own fever dreams and nightmares and that season of South Park with the trolls. But um, I'm sorry, Denmark. I really am. I'll do better next time. And you heard it here first. Nah, never mind. Fuck you, Denmark. Yeah, fuck you. Hmm. And he's back. Alas, a wrench was thrown in my plan. Well, that'll happen. The uh, the wife came home and had the what I think was like a mango flavored Corona seltzer. Nice. Which was our last uh, pre made beverage, but fret not. Tim got us more than just those two strawberry flavored <clears throat> nips. He got us the same amount of nips that I possess, which is four. All right. Now, I had one before we began recording. And I had the other right after he gave it to us. So this is this is the fourth of four. Nice. Well, we are completionists. Now, speaking of completing, get ready to come at the description of this film. Now, now. I really hope you haven't seen this movie, James. I hope I haven't either. But I really... I want to describe it to you. I'm going to spoil the whole movie. Now, anybody listening, don't watch this movie. But also, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Maybe watch it. It's hard to skip around. It's I very saw bad. bad movies. You know, I sought them out. So I, I hope I haven't seen this one. This is called Mile 22, starring Marky Mark. You haven't seen it? Nope. Fuck yeah. All right. Now, this masterpiece came out a few years ago. And before I start hitting the actual facts from IMDb or Wikipedia, whatever I'm going to use, I watched it on an airplane as it was meant to be watched. And I'm going to give you a plot synopsis of this film from memory, from watching it once, kind of buzzed over a year ago on an airplane. Uh, it's basically Marky Mark plays the uh, the leader of like a of a a tier one operator black ops type of force they're not really they're multinational they're not necessarily american they're not the cia but they're probably all cia contractors kind of a thing he has every type of atyp- a neuroatypical disorder po- possible but they never diagnose it they actually have so- bets on what he has or whether he's autistic or bipolar or they just that's a running gag that he's mentally atypical. I, I like they don't even get into what it is. Okay, can can I interrupt real quick? Of course. Do you remember when you were working in Blockbuster? Yes. Two weeks before <laughs> any big Blockbuster movie would come out, 
like on on video, there would be a straight to video, you know, ripoff by the it, asylum. Yeah, is is it in that vein for like the accountant? Is are they trying to make like Marky Mark like you know where the accountant made Ben Affleck? Yes, he had he was like autistic or something. But like he had he had one thing and it was like he was good at these things and and whatever and then he's also like a militant and and some sort of altruistic antihero. You're giving it a lot of credit that it it took advice and sort of inspiration from anything. I Are think you... really it was a way of covering for Marky Mark's horrific acting abilities. Ah, okay. Because by never saying what it was that he was suffering from or whatever. He gets to behave erratically and non-specifically the whole film, and we go, "Oh, that's just—it's because he missed his meds. He's got rubber bands around his wrist that he snaps so that the pharmacy was closed." So, Maki Mark's the leader of this goddamn squad. Now, in the squad, you're all named children one through fucking five. One, two, three, four. You like you get it, and the leader of the squad. Coming in from, I think it is, I think they do make it be Langley, even though it's not the CIA. It's It doesn't matter. The dude in charge is John Malkovich with a full head of hair, hmm. which is, I mean, like, with, like, spite. He's got, like, Guy Fieri hair. It's very odd. And it opens up. It's them busting it. Now, they're all codenames, children one through five. John Malkovich is codenamed Mother. All right? So it's sort of the mother giving orders to the children. You know what? I, if you asked me what John Malkovich's role in a family would be, that's that's the only word that comes to mind. Of course. And so it opens up. They're doing some job. Like, like they're busting into this house in like a fucking suburban neighborhood in everywhere America. And there's a bunch of Russians. And Marky Mark fucking shoots a child in the head. Like executes him. Like intentionally. One of his team? No, 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 no. Oh. He, sh- he shoots like a like a ten year old. He shoots a ten year old boy in like he executes a ten year old boy. Wow, that's the opening of the movie. Great. Then, <laughs> <laughs> it cuts to a little later, and they've now made up a fake country called. Uh, I did look this up. It's called Indocar. But apparently it's basically supposed to be Indonesia. They just didn't want to be super racist. <sighs> and it's got the dude from The Raid shows up. If you saw The Raid, that's actually a good, fun movie. Yeah. I don't know why he's in this piece of shit. But he show- he shows up and turns himself in as like a spy. And then he's like, I'm actually a double agent. And I want to talk to, I want to turn myself in. But I won't uh, help you decode these codes that I have or whatever until you extract me from Indocar. And so John Malkovich calls up the boys. And by the boys, I mean a multi-ethnic, multi-gender group of people who like to kill people Mm -hmm. and sends them in. And they'd have this whole big uh, hubbub about where they have to uh, sign away. Like, Like they all fill out wills. It's like pass them around. And they're all just like filling out their shit. And like they take off their wedding rings. And then they all start referring to each other exclusively as their code names of child one through five or whatever. And mother. And then... Marky Mark proceeds to beat the shit out of Southeast Asians for the next hour of the movie. So this movie <laughs> is not much different than Marky Mark's teenage years in Boston. 
Yeah, so the only reason I phrased it that way, dear listener, is because for those of you who don't know, uh, Marky Mar grew up a horrible, horrible racist, and, you know, that means still is, because that's how racism works. And blinded a man in one eye. Yeah, although that guy says he was actually blind from the Vietnam War. Marky Mark is actually just trying to take credit for his blindness. Oh, no, so he assaulted just a, a partially blind man. Instead, he just uh, tried to beat two Vietnamese men to death with a stick. Although it's yeah. separate incidents. They, uh, they, they were not at the same time. Don't worry. Once he got famous, he wanted to have his record expunged for a little bit. And then we were like, no! Yeah, uh-uh. we know yeah. he wanted to get pardoned for beating the hell out of out of people. He also got arrested when he was 15 for saying the N word and throwing rocks at black kids in an alleyway. So, you know what? Good for 80s Boston cops. Honestly, like, yes. Like to bring like, him in for that. Like, wow, I, w- I would not have made that call. Yeah. So it's sort of weird that they just have this gratuitous Marky Mark just beating because obviously everybody who lives in Indocar, which is in Southeast Asia is Southeast Asian. And so it's, it's Linonesia, just, right? The rest of the team, Ronda Rousey's on the team. There's like okay. two white women, a couple of Hispanic guys, Marky Mark, and then everyone else in the movie's Southeast Asian and the enemy. Like, <laughs> and a victim. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just them. And so the whole, I mean, the whole plot, the it just fucking sucks. The action scenes aren't even that cool. They kill Ronda Rousey off pretty early, which is, I mean, she was she could at least you know knows how to punch people, but they let her like suicide bomb a couple of people with some grenades. That's always a great strategy. The, the other white woman on the team is just going through a divorce the whole time. Like they don't even pretend to give her character any depth. They're just she's like on a satellite hey, that's phone. Depth. She's on a satellite phone being the spurned working mom, except that she's trying to kill people in between phone calls. It's People identify with that, man. Pretty relatable. Mm-hmm. And so all this is that's, going on. That's they, why I hated Predators, honestly, <laughs> is because I couldn't relate to any of them. I wasn't in Delta Force. I'm not in Yakuza. I wasn't in the IDF or Spetsnaz. Like, that's, that's what Predators needed. SAS? FSB? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, as we get to the end of the film, they've extracted the guy from the raid to the airbase. The whole so the movie's called Mile Twenty Two. The airbase that they were going to be flying out of is twenty two miles from the police station that this guy turned himself in. <laughs> so it's do when do they say the titular line? Pretty early on. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, that's, it's, that's how you know how good of a movie it is. Is like yeah. when the titular line just. Is in, like, the opening. <laughs> if you want to watch a movie about a big, stupid white guy trying to move a person of color of uh, a short distance within a city, watch 16 Blocks. It's, I guess, better? But it's because yeah. it has most definite, and he's delightful. And the white guy's Bruce Willis, who is... I'm going to go better than Marky Mark in general. Um, Yeah. 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 I don't think I'm going to get a lot of pushback on that. I mean, he's from that. the other side of the Delaware River, but, like, he's all right. Yeah, it's not a hot He take. was actually born in Germany, Bruce Willis so, was. So, they've extracted the gentleman. And uh, John Malkovich, as mother's like, hey, good job, guys. We're going to get him onto this plane. And we're going to get the codes. And we're good. Oh, oh so, so the guy gives the codes to John Malkovich to decode. He had, like, information they wanted. There's some fucking codes. And he gives him the codes. And as he's doing that, 
he uh, he looks up to Marky Mark. This is this is the guy from the raid. This is the dude they've been trying to get out of there the whole time. Who's also been helping with all the all the martial arts and stuff. He he. This is seriously how the movie ends. As everyone's like strapping in onto the plane, he looks up at Marky Mark and goes, "And hey, say hi to your mother for me." Then a bunch of people kick in the doors in John Malkovich's room and murder the shit out of everybody in there, except John Malkovich somehow, I think, like, bloodily drags himself out. And then everybody on the plane gets executed. And so now it's Marky Mark and John Malkovich. And it turns out the dude from the raid is not a double agent for the United States, pretending to be an agent for Indocar. He's an agent for Indo- for, for Russia, pretending to be a double agent. He's a triple agent. What? And the ten-year-old they shot at the beginning is the son of like a Russian politician that was living in suburban America for some reason. Um, so basically, it's an hour and a half of Marky Mark beating the hell out of people that he's notoriously racist against, and then it ends with, I guess, a joke about the way he talks with the whole "say hi to your mother for me" thing. Yeah. So, so they were riffing on an SNL bit and just needed like. Uh, hour and a half like lead-in joke and and they were like well what what's funnier than marky mark beating the shit out of southeast asians yeah the whole movie is a is like a mediocre hand job for an hour and a half and then right before you get to the good part they stop jerking you off and eat a hot dog in front of you and offer you none of it that's the that was the feeling i was left with on the airplane i was just like god Damn it. Then, then I started digging into the movie, right? It's written by Leah Carpenter. Now, Leah Carpenter famously related to not John Carpenter because her maiden name is Leah DuPont Carpenter Brokaw, which means she's related to not the DuPonts or Tom Brokaw. She's not related to anybody, uh, but she is from Wilmington, Delaware. Oh, she's probably... Related to the Carpenters or the DuPonts, then. She actually is related to E.I. DuPont very distantly, apparently. Okay. But, um, and she's related to those Carpenters, not like John Carpenter. When I originally saw Carpenter, I was like, please tell me this is John Carpenter's daughter. I mean, the Carpenters, you know, they're, they, they're going to be one of those families that, or at least Bob Carpenter and, and a couple other people, like the Phillies owner from the 40s. Uh, we're we're not gonna have anything named after him in a little bit. Sorry, guys. If you liked if you liked the Carpenter family owning the Phillies and and being racist pieces of shit to Jackie Robinson, but uh, their time's coming. Well, in 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 a slightly less but still racist move, because again, this movie's very fucking racist. I, I found out so this is directed by Peter Berg. Now the Peter Berg Mark Wahlberg combo uh, is colloquially known in Hollywood as the Bergs because. Mile 22 was the fourth of the five movies that they have so far done together. And in order, that is Lone Survivor. Nice. Deepwater Horizon. Okay. Patriot's Day. Nice. Mile 22. And then Spencer Confidential, which I believe was a Netflix movie. I I, I definitely saw the ads for it on Netflix. But uh, I think they filmed that in the bar down the street, The Last Drop. Really? Yeah. They had fake snow on a Dorchester Street like a year and a half ago. I think they filmed that around here. Hell yeah. And I did not see it. I did not seek it out. I've not seen Lone Survivor. 
Honestly, the only one of those I've seen is Deepwater Horizon. How was it? Action-packed and dumb as hell. Yeah, I mean, so this guy, this guy's first movie was Very Bad Things. Mm-hmm. Which... Hey, that wasn't bad. I enjoyed that movie. Because we watched Comedy Central in the late 90s as, you know, a bunch of 10-year-olds. Honestly, that was my introduction to Christian Slater. Nice. He's obviously had way better roles, but at the time, that was the yeah, first thing I've ever seen him in. Mm-hmm. Broken Arrow. Yeah, and uh, I always... F- it's True Lies? True, true romance. romance. I always... F- yeah. I know the different... I conf- <laughs> yeah, I, flip- I know. Because <laughs> the, the titles work for both. They do. They, yeah, you can go either way with... Yeah. Anyway. So that's that's the movie. I wanted to I wanted to just give you the full spoiler breakdown on that. Well, thank you for that. I'm glad that I don't have to watch that movie, but I feel like I have to now cuz you know, we hear a lot about Marky Mark's exploits, but like we don't get to see them very often. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this one was the 20th ep. We did it we did it differently. We're going to have some guests. I think probably on the 25th we'll bring in a guest or something. As a, as a celebration for that, you know, if I, it'll be in you know early yeah, yeah, December, yeah. <laughs> something like that. We'll figure that out, you know, probably on the day. To be honest, but uh, yeah, we're gonna be doing some more movie stuff because uh, that seems to be in my personal life what people seem to like to hear me talk about. I, you know, sometimes I I make references and people are like, "Wait, weren't you just talking about Dumb and Dumber?" And it's like, "Yeah, but I also seen Chinatown." Like. You, you can yeah. like both. We're going to string things together and just keep going, you know, on t- we're going to do this from time to time. We're probably going to do it next week, maybe mm-hmm. more formally. Another thing that we might be doing, and I might cut this whole thing out if we don't end up doing it, is we're going to keep recording once this ends. And I might edit some of that down and start releasing a, you know, a little check-in thing on, on, on Fridays. A little... A little real real. A little 5 to 15 minute, just edit it down, just the good stuff, just the good bits. A little amuse-bouche from the boys. Mm, yeah. Kick off the weekend. Definitely. But yeah, that'll do it for episode 20. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we only have uh, 230 more to go till we hit 250. So that's exciting. And I think in honor of that, I think James has prepared sort of a formal, not an acceptance speech, but just sort of... Uh, just you know, like a it's it's a it's a it's a it's it's a it's it's sort of a, some words. <sighs> Succinct as always, and on that note, as we say every week, go fuck yourself. God fuck us, everyone.